Every day I'm hustling, 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 hustling. Every day I'm hustling, 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 every day I'm Welcome to a Cigar Hustlers Podcast, where we take a closer look at the people of the cigar industry with your host, Mike and Mike. Hi, I'm Mike. And I'm Mike, too. And this is a the Cigar, Cigar Hustlers, Hustlers Podcast. Say hey, you didn't fuck me up this time. <laughs> I did not. I did not. We have a very special guest today, as well as an audience in, in the studio, in the room. What did you do? You had, the, you had a problem? Uh, I had the timer problem. Reset. Okay, we're going. We're going. We're going. Uh, the we're Rowan going. Roma Craft, one of my mentors in the industry, Mr. Michael Rosales. Yo, yo, what's up? How you doing, everybody? What's going on, man? As as uh, he's uh, taking this interview, I think he's Instagramming, you know. He's Instagramming, texting. No. He's just hanging out. <laughs> And our and our audience is uh, one Jeremy Fondy of Cigar Cartel and uh, Adam Acre of I guess we could say Degenerate Weasels, right? Mm. Of a Degenerate Weasel. This one said well, Degenerate. Well, thanks for coming up all the way from Chicago and South Miami. Uh, and that's Florida. right. Really like Miami. That's Where's he from? He's, it's like in between. He's like Coral Springs, Fort Lauderdale ish. It's way down there. But you know he travels. Jeremy fi- travels everywhere. He does. He's everywhere. Yeah. So today's an, uh, an event night with uh, Roma Craft, and um, Michael's super excited to be on the podcast. He just couldn't wait. He was so anxious as soon as he came in. He ran right into the back and, uh, you know, mic'd him up, and we're ready to go. Let's do it. Very ecstatic. Very ecstatic. So, Mike, um, we like to ask, obviously, how you got into the cigar industry. So this is the origin series. If you could tell us, uh, what did you do before you got into cigars? How about we start there? Before cigars, like how far back do you want to go? You want to go like college era, or you want to go like professional life era? I, well, I, I, how much times between college and cigars? There's nothing actually. Uh, so when I so because it, it kind of let's go. So so I went to University of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. and then at the end of my uh, last two years, I did a foreign exchange program where I went to San Jose, Costa Rica. Mm-hmm. When I was done, I came back to the states, got into real estate moved to Austin and then kind of started my professional career in real estate. See, right. I just summed it up. Super simple, right? So okay, well, thank you for listening. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> appreciate everybody coming in. So during that time, so this kind of transitions into the cigar situation, right? So about four years later, I go back to, uh, I go back to Costa Rica. A friend of mine's getting married. And um, during that time, we, they, they, you know, we had a great time for the wedding, and then the family kind of shows me this land that they have, and I said, you know, I'll, what are you guys going to do with this piece of land? They said, we want to develop it, but we don't know how. So I developed some condos on there. We sold them. And uh, so on my graduation night with my dad back in 2000, I had my first cigar with my dad. And uh, so anyway, so kind of celebrating the, the success of the, of the real estate transactions that had happened down in, in San Jose. Um, and so I'd have a cigar, found a roller that was making cigars out on the beach. And anyways, just kind of started hanging out with these people while we were kind of building the condos during this whole process. And right. um, so eventually what ended up happening is, is transitioning into uh, the rollers wanted to come into the United States. So I started bringing rollers up into the United States. Right. And then had to kind of source tobacco. 
So what role is there a particular roller well, that yeah, you brought the, up? The very first one was Raul Dizla. He actually runs the Nazi factory. Okay. Uh, he used to run the uh, actually he ran AJ Fernandez and he also runs Nazi. He actually is the uh, all the stuff that comes out of the Nazi factory. He helps Steve Saka. He so right. So Raul Dizla worked for me in the United States. Uh, so after the real estate market kind of crashed, right. I just uh, transitioned into bringing these uh, uh, tobacco rollers up into the United States and putting them in cigar shops, and I would import in the tobacco. Okay, so so you just like fast forward over like a whole lot of time. Yeah, That's I know it's, okay. it's cool. Yeah. It's all right. So, I mean, because there is a couple things here that I, I want to I want to pull we'll you back in. into. We're going to dial in. I want to okay, bring let's you back. Do it. Let's do it. So you know, before you even go down there and do all those transactions. You meet somebody in in Oklahoma, I think, right? Um, like a redhead, I believe, right? Okay. And yeah. that, that's w- in Oklahoma. You meet your wife, right? I met my wife, and in uh, Jamie, we had a class in my. Um, so I had one, I had two classes I had to take to right. finish up my degree, and okay. so uh, it was a developmental psychology class, something, and I was failing, and she was passing. <laughs> and let me see your notes and she said get away from me and i said you know so i had to work on it and they said you know uh so it, so yeah so we met in college so she pretty much so in a, in a nutshell i mean it's safe to say that if it wasn't for jamie you would have never graduated college that's for starters right. it's, it's really her degree just you know it has my name on it but it's her, her that, degree that's an absolute fact mm-hmm. and and to this day now i mean obviously she's put up with you for i mean that was what 2000 uh, yeah well we, m- I guess, we would have met in '99. Like okay, kind of right before you, yeah, before right. 2000. Right, like so. you're on the cusp of failure, and then she comes and saves the day, which is fantastic. Yeah, and like to this day, is she part of the factory or part of the company? And any she wasn't anyway? for a long time. So she, uh, in her professional career, was the uh, the the executive admin to the CEO of of a of a company that got bought a couple years ago, and. Um, because of how much I travel, because of how much, uh, you know, kind of gone from the house, uh, she has a lot of skill set. So we brought her in. So she kind of handles all the, uh, all the back end stuff. Her and Angela do a really good job of, of, um, you know, taking care of, you know, so when we, so how it ended up happening, <coughs> her company sold and they gave her a payout. Right. And then we were actually building our facility in Austin. Right. So she had experience. She also has a, a, a background in real estate, and because she had helped their company build out, uh, I don't know, like a five-story building. I mean, a pretty good-sized building. And they and so we needed her expertise to help us with our facility in Austin. And so we talked to her about coming on board, and we hired her, and that was kind of so she kind of helped. Her and Skip kind of facilitated the whole build out. So, kind of jumping ahead, obviously, you know, Roma. I just kind of want to paint a picture for people that sure. don't know what Roma Craft is, and you know, kind of educate them on the operation and and, and kind of your success. So, the company is pretty big as far as um, accounts that you're in. I mean, in a grand scheme of things, I would say it's a small number, but you're super efficient at what you do. And the fact of the matter is that there aren't a lot of people that are in the office, right? There isn't a big business. You don't have a big sales force. You don't have a big um, design, right? Yeah. Right? So the, the thanks for the, yeah, yeah. That's I, awesome. I, I, you're talking. So, so like, just so keep going. So your sales team is, consists of who? So we have uh, recently have uh, brought up uh, from the minor league, we have Danny, <laughs> Danny Vasquez, <laughs> uh, who had a cigar, uh, 
was it called the voyage voyage yeah so we brought up we brought up danny prior to that we had we had koi right. uh and so koi has moved on to north carolina and and so Danny had announced that he was letting his company kind of go because of the FDA and you know the struggles that that you know a small brand can have and uh, so we flew Danny down and and um, kind of hung out with him for for you know a weekend and you know he's got a good skill set he's he's his personality is a lot like mine so if I can get him you know uh, on task and uh, give him some direction. I think he'd be a, a good asset for us. Okay, so essentially, so you and him are the only two people in the sales force. Yeah. So, so for a long period of time. So the way that it kind of works. So it's Roe and Ma. So there's Skip Martin and Michael Rosales. Mm-hmm. Uh, Skip handles the the f- the uh, factory with Esteban, and then for you know for the longest time it was me and Angela and Jamie. Right. So, um, so they d- handle AP, AR, they do all, they pick, pack, and ship, and all back-end back stuff. stuff, right? So I handled all the sales for a long period of time, and then I guess we brought on, when we opened up our facility in Austin, we brought up, we brought on Koi. So about the last four years or so, everything went directly through me, through all the accounts. Right. And then from that point, we when we brought on Koi, it was really more of, uh, you know, maybe he'll, you know, where could he really kind of fit in? You know, kind of. You know, here's the thing: no one is really going to really care about your business the way that you do, right? Mm-hmm, so, right. giving giving that up, you know, to or having help is really hard because you, you know eventually they're going to fuck it up, right? Because they're not going to put the time, effort, hours that you have done uh, from the beginning. So, anyway, so we brought on Koi, and we really thought that he was going to be kind of in the back end, kind of warehouse, and then you know. So because of the way of our model and our structure, we, we get shipments in from from, uh, from Nicaragua b- every two weeks. So there's once, you know, they do all the fulfillment for about a week, there's about a week of time that's kind of like downtime. So I started helping Koi uh, take some phone calls, call accounts, let them know what they had on back order, what was coming, mm-hmm. and those types of things. And then eventually it kind of turned into a sales job. But he was not a sales guy. He was just really kind of support. Gotcha. So with Danny, we have we have higher expectations uh, because he's a little bit further along in his career. Right. Um, so um, anyway, so so, so I mean I've always handled all the sales, and so now it's what we're trying to do is really, um, you know, f- figure that out. Right. So in, in essence, you're kind of a small organization as far as numbers are concerned, but you're in how many accounts? Yeah. So. Uh, I would say about 280 accounts throughout the United States, and then we have a good footprint in Europe market, mostly in Germany. So, I mean, that's a fuck ton of accounts for one and a half people to handle. Sure. Right? Yeah. Okay. So now getting now that we jumped ahead, now we're going to okay. jump right back. Let's All right. It. So, Raul Dizla. Yep. You bring him into the States, and he's rolling tobacco for it, rolling cigars. Yeah, so I would bring in about 2,500 pounds uh, once a month. And so, th- so the strategy was, is, uh, so... I knew a lot of guys that had cigar shops. Mm-hmm. So I was like, hey, Raul's visa was about to expire. So he comes to me and says, hey, my visa's about to expire. My mom's Puerto Rican. I actually have the ability to work in the United States. And I said, well, that's that's awesome. And and I wasn't really looking to, to really kind of do this. Um, but the opportunity came in. It's like, listen, if I could figure out a way to get Raul into the United States, get him rolling cigars, then the factor in the back end could make the cigars that we would create for the cigar shops and create their custom blends so it was a it was a great setup so for about forty five hundred dollars the shop got 
basically 2,000 sticks. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was good margin for them. Uh, the only challenge was is that they had to kind of host him and, and get him to and from back, make sure he got fed. And right. And, uh, but Feeding is important. Yeah, that's yeah. A, it's a big deal. So, yeah. um, But the challenge is logistically was, was a bigger task. So most shops would say $4,500 to get 2,000 cigars. I get a guy to come in here and basically custom blend and make a cigar in on site, and I can get instant feedback from the guys, my regulars, and, and kind of really kind of hone in on product that they would buy you know, day in and day out. Right. And so for me, it was a great way to basically kind of really uh, establish those relationships with those uh, those customers. And then also keep the factory kind of busy and kind of, you know, um, really keep, you know, basically create a system that would keep the factory, you know, going. And right. because this is the factory in Costa Rica. This is pre-Roma. And so, um, and then also, you know, kind of satisfy what Rao needed. And it really turned into a bigger... A bigger thing so I started bringing other rollers in and having them you know the challenge was is you know people in Dallas and Houston and Lubbock and in all these other places mm-hmm. you know so it ended up kind of turning into well we want them for two weeks but can we have them for a month and can we right. have them for you know longer <laughs> periods of time and so I was all for it now that here's the deal you know so if you import the, the raw goods in right. and, and you pay a much lower s chip tax because this is all about kind of the 2007 2008 time frame so just as s chip was kind of getting going the 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 raw good tobacco cost is much lower but once you turn it into a fixed good cost you know it's you know you got it now you have to pay the the difference um you know and then in order to technically manufacture cigars you have to have permits right so um so anyway so during that time so you know I really didn't care about all the other stuff. I was just, you know, you know, that was that was a, you know, that was a whole another issue right. that, that I was kind of putting off. And so, and this was your hustle. This is the hustle. So this is this is how you get this. Is, you know, so I was just trying to really satisfy, um, you know, who cares what the, the you know the government's trying to do? I'm just trying to make some money. I'm just, I'm just trying to eat support, here. Support, support I mean, the family. You know, That's you're it. You're talking about a time when you know, recessions hitting, yeah. housing oh. markets collapsing. Definitely. You know, you got to eat, right? You got to figure out what you got to do to survive. And I was a lot fatter back then too. I was right. I was always hungry. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I'm always hungry now. I'm always hungry. <laughs> All right, so you're going along you're you're producing these cigars and you know, you have like a small army of people that you're dropping off to random retail shops and and you're producing sticks. Um yeah, so in that time frame, so uh Skip Martin, my partner, had gotten recently been hit by the hurricane. Right. So Skip is also from Austin, and so, so where so you already knew Skip w- before w- this. So when you say that he got hit by the hurricane, it w- well, he had a cigar shop. Okay, he had a su- cigar store in in Galveston, Texas. Okay, what was the name of it? It was called Have a Cigar Shop. Okay, and it got what happened? It got smacked by the hurricane. It, what and hurricane? Do you remember the name or anything? Uh, I think it was Ike. Yeah, I think it was. I think I- you're I'm right. Okay, I think you're right. We don't fact check. Wait, uh, right. Well, no yeah. fact. <laughs> 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 All right, so. You run into the, you, so your friends with Skip at this point no, or um, not really. So Skip hung so so his he worked for Dell, which is based out of Austin, right? Round Rock, Texas. I've heard of that Austin. company. Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a good sized company. But at least it was. I, I think it still is. Yeah. So he, uh, I ran into him. He came up to so I was doing an event at uh, the shop called Fume that is no longer around, and. Uh, he came in and we started started chit chatting and he knew a lot of the same guys that I knew, so he invited me over to his house and uh, 
you know, so we started smoking together. So I would bring up cigars and say, hey, what do you think about this? You know, because he was a big cigar consumer. Right. You know, so he was he was the well. So when you, you when Skip Martin would come through and you had something new and fancy, you know, that was a g- you wanted to put it in front of him because right. he would buy it. Hey, take and he this was out. Smoking. Exactly. How many boxes yeah. you want? So his, uh, so he was at that time was looking at reestablishing a cigar shop in Austin. And so he had sent, found a couple pieces of, 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 well, some areas around town where he thought a good shop would be and started asking me my opinion, just like I was asking his opinion of cigars and tobacco. And, right. And uh, so we just kind of clicked. And um, so he had asked me, I mean, this is kind of fast forwarding a little bit, but so the, the question came up, said, hey, you know, I used to buy these, I used to go down to factories and, and especially he was a big Camacho shop. Right. So he would go down to Christian's uh, place prior to them selling. And he would buy up all the the stuff that you know that they had made that didn't sell or or you know blends that that just never really came to anything mm-hmm. and and so he would bring them in and and basically sell them in his shop and that was kind of his side hustle. And so he said, "There's there's a, a cigar that I really really like. I don't have a whole lot of them left, but it was our best seller and uh, it was a broadleaf wrapper." And he said, "You know, could you reproduce this cigar?" And I said, well, you know, let me see what you got. Let's see what, what we could do. And so... The answer is um, always yes in sales. Oh, fuck yeah, no problem. It does. Y- you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're talking about a cigar that probably had, you know, five or six years of age on right. it. And, and so, I mean, I don't know. Especially with the tobacco we had on hand here in the States. I mean, it's not like I had, a, you know, a full, full arsenal of, of, you know, right. really, really exotic Access tobacco. To it, right. right. So, And you're still working with Raul at that time? Yeah, Raul and, and several others. And so... Um, we kind of we really kind of honed in on you know a habano wrapper a maduro wrapper like a habano 2000 and you know some kind of maduro wrapper and then you know a good variety of of nicaraguan whether you know that esteli and, and you know pueblo nuevo condega you know whatever this the kind of run of the mill stuff that everyone uses mm-hmm. so we didn't really have you know nothing really exotic i didn't have anything from the dominican or honduran which if it's coming from christian's factory it's going to have a you know a lot more Honduran than most right. other types of tobacco so anyway so I take it to Raul and Raul t- you know looks at it and goes you know we just can't do anything here and I said well let me go down to Costa Rica and I, I worked with a factory in Costa Rica and str- uh, didn't work out there and so Raul says why don't you go see Esteban who is his brother who was running the Scandinavian factory uh, which is General Cigars right that, that used to be the Carlos Tarano family uh, which was called Latin Cigars. Okay. So the Trano family um, sold, and you know Esteban stayed on. So uh, Raúl and Esteban both worked for the Trano family in the Dominican. That's where they're from. And then when they were, you know, I don't know, 18, 19 years old, they brought them to uh, Nicaragua to help them establish uh, a, a tobacco culture in the Nic- in Nicaragua. Mm-hmm. And so. Um, so they were with them for a long, long time, and and, and they sold, and that's kind of when Raúl decided he wanted to go off and do his thing, and but Esteban stayed and ran the factory. So anyway, so and these two uh, brothers are totally different people, right? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really think, you know, Raúl. I mean, they have their 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 whole life is tobacco, right? But their skill sets are completely different. I mean, I think, you know. Um, Esteban's expertise is definitely pre-industry, which is you know before it it gets to the table, the table, um, rolling table. It, you know, and and you know, and Raúl is 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 really good at, at blending. So right. Um, 
but they're yeah, you know, I mean, they're like brothers. I mean, like, it's like you and Greg, right? Completely different, right? So totally, and very competitive. Very competitive. So, so I mean, it's kind of funny to me that Raul's like, "Yo, call my brother up. He'll hook you up." Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Well, We're at the end of the day, just that the tobacco is just greater here uh, in Nicaragua, not here, but right. in Nicaragua, over there. Right. Texas. You have better access to it. Yeah. Right. So. Anyway, so uh, there's a guy in Chicago uh, called Tesla Cigars. I don't know if the, we have an audience guy. Uh, he, you got he a may, Chicago guy. Yeah, he may he may be familiar with that in in our audience. So he says yes, but he uh, not, he's not exactly. Yeah. So Chris that Kelly that doesn't work on radio. No, it doesn't work. Podcast. Yeah, you you have you got to speak up. So, <laughs> so the uh, Chris Kelly, who him and his father owned a cigar company called Tesla Cigars out of Chicago, they had a factory down there as well. So. Um, I ended up staying with with uh, Chris for a couple weeks while I was working on some projects, and uh, got with Destabon, and we worked on on making the cigar for Skip or recreating it. And uh, I came back with Crow Magnum. So that's boom, that's it. So Crow Mag starts. Yep. Right. How do you? How do you? So how many do you produce for the first? I want to say there's around five thousand cigars. Well, okay. first, I mean, you know, you come back with like a bundle of, you know. So there's there's you know like three or four different variations of you know what the Crow Magnum blend kind of comes up to right and then you you know you you, you kind of bring them back you select the one and you know make some minor kind of tweaks and then we you know skips like dude this is a game changer you know and I'm like I don't know it's kind of strong because it was like rock <laughs> table it's it's got some balls right so he's like no nah, this is the one I'm like mm, I don't you know. It, there's no it's, it was n- it's not a cigar that has a lot of finesse to it right right and so um night keep in mind you know at that time he was smoking you know lafleur was it dl 700s or 660s right. or whatever they call them and you know he's he's eating them like candy bars and so the whenever we decided to go ahead and do it he you know we made five thousand cigars and so this is uh 2010 mm-hmm. so we make five thousand cigars they come in and uh, and the, at this point, his retail shop, at least brick and mortar, is still gone. nothing. It's yeah, gone. I mean, yeah, it's all gone. What he did have, though, so whenever the hurricane had hit, he was big on Twitter to get news out and to kind of broadcast like what was going on on the island because mm-hmm. there was no there. You know, all communication was down. So a lot of people started kind of following him just based on the content that he was putting out. Along with you know the cigars he was smoking and what he was you know right. doing and you know his his uh, his activity in the cigar business as a whole, um, you know he was he was friends with Doc Diaz who also had a podcast out in California that he went to the trade show um, and and kind of represented him and kind of did you know similar to what this was at the trade show for for Doc Diaz. Uh, so he's technically I don't know what the fuck this is by the way, but is it podcast. <laughs> I, no, I, I, I hear you, yeah. but I don't know what it is. <laughs> but you know the idea well, was showing Jordan right now. <laughs> so 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 his his background, aside from working at Dell and being in the Navy, he you know was a, he kind of technical was a blogger, right? If this is a blog, I don't know if it's a blog, whatever we call it. Um, he has a retail shop, right? It's underwater, you know. And he was a, a heavy, uh, yeah, exactly. And he was a heavy cigar smoker, right? So you know, so he had a there was a lot in common, you know, with with me, you know, and, and so it just kind of worked, and so. We decided, he said, I think we could sell these. I said, we can't sell these. He said, watch. So he starts posting this shit on Twitter. Right. And next thing you know, boom, boom, people are like, hey, I want some of those. I want some of those. I want some of those. But his buddies in that same, you know, you're talking about, you know, Brian Hewitt, who also had a blog. Um, you know, there's a, there's a bunch of guys that, you know, uh, uh, Barry Stein and a lot of these other guys that have blogs as well. Mm-hmm. 
bought a five pack from us and so um so i imported them in cleared them and he'd have his little daughters over there stuffing little you know little five pack samplers and uh-huh. and you know next thing you know we went through five thousand cigars he goes let's do another run so then we started doing it so it just kind of evolved from there right so, so you start producing and he's retailing you guys are retailing the cigars so you're selling them actually from factory to consumer at that wh- time yes which is pretty nice yeah and then eventually you get to a point what happens when you say hey you know what we're on to something we need to start wholesaling to other retail shops so the conversation came up with a lot of the retailers who had supported me with raul mm-hmm. and it was like hey and at this point you're working solely with esteban correct yes okay on the, on the cro-magnon right stuff. yeah so uh so technically at that time it was called adrian's cro-magnon cigar uh, that's how it was kind of important. See, I didn't even talk about Adrian's yeah. cigars. Well, we, we really fast forward over a lot. We're getting right. into the nitty gritty. Well, well, yeah. The nitty gritty. Oh, we're going to go yeah. back. Okay. But go ahead. Keep going. I don't want to stop you. So, these shops are, are like, hey, what's this What's this cigar that you're that you're putting out? It's got some buzz. I'm like, well, it's not my cigar, technically. Like, it's not something I can sell to you. So, right. well, yeah, but, you know, we supported you. You know, with the Adrian thing, we supported you with with Raul and the and, and so people were starting to call and go, well, you know, I got guys that got this five pack from you of cigars, and you know, they're asking me, have I had it, and how come you're not bringing it to me, and and so, you know, I go back to Skip and go, hey man, I'm starting to get a lot of a lot of heat from some of the retailers, um, you know, and Skip's like, well, if I'm going to open up the the a shop in Austin, you know, why would we open it up? And I'm thinking, well, why would we open up a cigar shop when we could, you know, open up distribution, right? So, um, so anyway, so after kind of arm wrestling a little bit after that, we decided to go uh, all in on the factory. So actually what had happened was... What had happened was... What had happened was... (laughs) Esteban (laughs) Call. So that was... So this is kind of... So the cigars were made October, September 2010. They were imported in... D- at the end of December 2010, kind of going into the f- uh, 2011. Mm-hmm. So around, we had about till April or May of continual products coming in on a very monthly basis, right? right? So everything was coming in. We were selling. It was turning, and it was just it was like it, w- it was a pretty sweet setup, right? Get a phone call from Esteban and says, "Hey, there's no more broadly, <laughs> <laughs> no more tobacco in yeah. the factory." So it skips like, well. Go buy, some go buy some. Go buy some. Like, you know. <laughs> Send them to Walmart. Yeah, buy yeah. some more tobacco. Call up Costco. You know, <laughs> just fucking, somebody's got to have it. Right. right. So he's like, no, I mean, it, you know, it, it came available, you know, early in, you know, at really the way tobacco kind of comes up is, is you know, kind of that uh, December, maybe until February, March, you know, that's whenever the supply is available once it's been picked over sorted through and everything's kind of you know for that year for that crop after it's gone through fermentation and everything else like it's 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 kind of you 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 got scraps right? right if there's anything left and so you're talking about may june and you know there just wasn't anything available so skip calls you know from from him being a retailer he had all these connections right so he calls you know whoever he knows but I, you know the one guy that really stands out is jonathan drew because obviously at that time liga was hot and it, it had broadleaf and you know uh we decided to go down to the nicaraguan tobacco festival which was the second year we just happened to show up at the same time that was going on and so 
we'll go over and, and, and talk to, to Jonathan and, and several other people, and, and they both kind of keep going. We'll go talk to Gustavo Cura. Well, we were already talking to Gustavo Cura, but there's still no tobacco right. available, right? So who's Gustavo Cura? So he runs uh, the Oliva out of Tampa. He runs. He's he is the guy that if you want tobacco for. So there's the Olivas, but he kind of runs. You know, he's 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 he makes the decisions. Right. So it's like the so Godfather of tobacco. So he handles all tobacco. major. You know, like all pylones and importation of yeah. of raw materials. The Olivas do as a whole, but he runs there. He's the guy. Yeah, he's the guy. He's in a dimly lit room with a big fedora. On. No, yeah. No. 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 He's no, de- no, that's no, definitely not no, but <laughs> definitely. Um, <laughs> You know, but he can he can make or break the ability for you to continue making cigars for sure. So, um, so we love you, Gus. Yeah, <laughs> if you're listening, if you download this podcast. We appreciate you. I'm sure Gus is a listener. Of course he is. He was number one downloader. Is. Right. Yeah. For so, sure. Um, so we go. So Jonathan makes a phone call and says, "Hey, these guys are the real deal. You know, um, just help them out if you can." Right. Right. He, like he kind of vouches for he you. Kind of vouches for us. Right. So, which was a really you know. Because nobody at that time had really kind of done, you know, that much for anybody. So, I mean, make, making a phone call is a is is a nice. Look at the yellow cello on the cigar. It's right. amazing. It's awesome. I like this. Thank you, Jeremy. So the uh, we go through and they give us the tour of the of the facility at Nicaprosa, and you know, and Skip's like, dude, we've hit the. This is the the, the mecca. This is the holy land. We we you know. So we go through and we select out at that time. It was uh, about 330 pounds of broadleaf that was going to be available, and I think 500 pounds of Habano wrapper. So, so we end up coming up with. Uh, so after we selected out the broadleaf, you know, we said, you know, we need to really kind of look at what's a plan B when the event that we come up through. They kind of explain the process of why broadleaf is, is not always available and why the yields are really crappy and um, and and why it's just not always available. Right. So you kind of, so you walk in, you buy these balloons, right? And you figure, hey, well, okay, we're good to go, right? Right. So then we say, well, what about, what happens if it's, if we don't have anymore? Like what happens if we come into the situation where it's, it's, it's not available? Right. So we said, well, let's look at the hub on our wrapper. And that's when we decided we would create the Aquitaine version. So Cro-Magnon is the broadleaf. Aquitaine is the Habano version. Aquitaine is the region of France where they found the Cro-Magnon skull. So it kind of all comes together. Right. So, you, you you know, the idea would be we would create something that would always be a little bit more constant because Habano is, you know, it's it's a little bit more healthier. The conditions are better. And it, it just kind of grows a lot more than, than what the broadleaf is. Okay. So before you were producing... Roma Craft, and before you're doing Raul, the the production with Raul inside of Texas, you had your own cigar, right? I did. Yeah, it's called Adrian's Costa Rican Cigars. And why would you name it Adrian's? It wasn't after my son. Oh, okay. So. Well, I'm I'm not. I mean, this is, I'm great on radio because I got the face for it. So <laughs> no, you know, so just, it it just kind of made sense. Uh, you know, at that time, that was something that you know I I never really wanted to be. You know, want to kind of. Some, I wanted you don't to create want to something. Sales? <laughs> Not yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wanted to leave something for, for my kids. Right. And I thought that that would be a, a really kind of cool way to do it. Right. You know, um, you know, I I had a lot of friends that were you know that benefited from their families doing very very well. That whenever they got of age, they had the ability to go work for or do things with, and and so I, I I've always wanted to create that for my family. Right. Okay. So. 
where were you making those cigars from? Costa Rica. So those are Costa Rican, mm-hmm. and you actually sold them to retailers. I'm assuming, I did. right? Yeah. I mean, because I've seen uh, every once in a while you'll see them pop up. Yeah. If um, you know, what's crazy is I get I get a lot of text messages like, "Dude, this this cigar is great." I'm like, yeah, if you would have smoked that shit whenever I made it back in uh, <laughs> you know 2006, 2007, right? You know, I'd still be making them now. I'd be making them now. So. Um, you know, and that that's something that you know we've talked about. It 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 actually is predicate date, you know, with the FDA. So I just don't know if I if I really want to, you know, go back to it. It's got a, it's got a lot of emotional. I think it'd be fucking awesome. Yeah. So I mean, who knows? When my son is of age, he comes to the, he works at the office a little bit. He's really more interested in video games. He's only eleven. Right. So, but it is what it is. So I was making those cigars in Costa Rica. Started bringing them in, and so the whole the reason why the relationships with the cigar shops had started was the collapse of the real estate market had taken a shit so i thought if i could get you know 25 30 accounts that would carry the product that i get some mailbox money while we kind of all waited for the for the the cycle to kind of go through right and it took a little bit longer and a little slightly longer. yeah and so it uh it ended up just becoming though that that was my job so right. i just you know full force into making the cigars and putting them into market so then as I'm doing these events and getting around and and then you know helping the the uh, Raul getting in into in the stores, it just kind of evolved. And I met Skip, and then we created Roma. So, so you you just explained kind of how you made the Chromags and and the Aquatanes. Where does the Intemperance line come into play? So, we wanted to have a cigar that was price point, but also work with with uh wrapper leaves that were constantly always available so right connecticut shade always available arapiraca it you know if it's done the right way uh, it, it's uh it's not it's not super always easy but it is a lot more than most okay and that's and that's just how you create the intemperance lines yeah so uh esteban said he had a really crazy good blend that he wanted to work with on for the for the intemperance and you know that's not a, a cigar that at that time smoked a lot of so we just you know said hey if you like it let's you know and it was actually really good so it was like let's let's go with that and skip was was in love with the with the in, with the intemperance brazilian right and so it uh it just kind of worked out so but the, the whole purpose of that line we knew then so when we kind of mapped this all out it's like okay so if we're going to build this company you know what are the things that didn't go really well with Adrian's? Right. You know, what were the things that were really good? What are some of the issues that you think are gonna gonna happen? And how do you kind of navigate through those 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 challenges? And so, price point, right? Availability of product, you know, uh, consistent branding, good imaging, right? You know, those are all things that we kind of scripted out. So we kind of you know had this really good vision before we even kind of launched and and that's whenever you know it's like hey skip by the way you can work with some of the best factories and and you know the reality is is that you know you say hey send me up you know a thousand boxes you know a third of that's going to be really really good and what you wanted and a third of it's going to be kind of mediocre right and, you know it's it's good enough but it's not quite great and then the last third of it is just going to be completely off that it's like that's not that's not even the cigar <laughs> right so that's the challenge is, is getting people how do you stay on course and on track to where it's repeatable and sustainable right and so that was one of the things that we kind of agreed at a, at an early time was one of us would always be at the factory right? right so to make sure that you know it's consistent every time so at the time when he came when skip moved down to nicaragua did he speak spanish at all or no and that was that was really the challenge because i was um 
you know, he, you know, when we get on these conference calls and kind of figure out what was going on, he had he'd worked in Panama whenever he was with Dell, so he had a good understanding of Spanish, but right. he couldn't really communicate. So he would be, you know, in these meetings and say, "Well, what did he say?" And I'm like, "Well, this is kind of like what he said." Well, that's not what he said. <laughs> it's pretty close. It, like, you know, when you translate it, that's exactly what he said. However, it's not what he said, if right. that makes any sense. And so. It's like, hey, you, you really need to learn how to speak Spanish because, you know, I can't continue to, to you know, to do both. Right. And so he just said, you know, so he he, uh, he trucked on down there and, you know, he still doesn't speak very good Spanish, but he does his <laughs> best. So. so when you started off um, and Esteban was handling your production and you were producing the, the small amount and you were selling it directly to consumer, where was the factory located? Okay, so Esteban still worked at... Scandinavia. Okay. So, so because of the amount of people that work at Scandinavian factory, Esteban and Raúl have have trained a good amount of people on how to roll, who now have become supervisors in other factories, and that those are that's those are their friends, and that's their circle, right? Right. So, Esteban would make the cigars in the back of his house, so he would go borrow a press and borrow a mold and you know a couple molds, and and it started off. Uh, you know, them just kind of drinking some beer in the back of their house. And, uh, but whatever it became, when it started getting bigger and bigger, you know, he would call and go, Hey, I need to buy, I need to buy my presses. I need to buy my molds. And right. so he would send the money down and, and, um, you know, and he, he would go in and he would invest and, and grow as we were kind of growing. And, um, so the first factory was Esteban's house. Is that at his house? Yeah. So, his garage was his uh, tobacco bodega. His uh, so in the back of their house, they actually had uh, kind of an area like if you were to wash your clothes and you had a, a wire hanger. Um, that's so there's like a, a washer and dryer kind of area. Right. And and there they had this this uh, this concrete slab, and so like a storage facility. Kind of like a storage facility. We actually we ended up getting built out to what it is now. Before that, it wasn't that way. And right. so as you know, it, it kind of made more sense to kind of build it out and make a complete, uh, basically like a, a mini factory. Yeah. So it was what, what is that about twenty five by ten? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So it uh, had like these kind of barn doors, metal barn doors that slid back and forth, and put in some some rolling tables and some bodegas, some some areas for storage, and um, so we had we had four employees. But I mean, that's kind of what ended up happening was is Esteban's like, hey, you know, I can't do this right. all the time. And and what we were finding out is they were super inconsistent. So it's like we need to dedicate people to be here, you know, working on this during the day. Right. And so his wife would kind of, you know, since she stayed at home, would kind of stay with the four rollers that we had, the four pairs. And uh, we started off two and then we added two more. And then that was where it was at for about the first, you know, year or so and year and a half. And then when Skip had actually gone down there, they actually found a... Uh, a really cool piece of property and he said hey I, I found this place I want to turn into Nika Sueño and uh, so they they spent the next you know six months or so renovating that tearing out concrete and painting it and turning it into what is now Nika Sueño which is a re pretty it's a really nice facility so you start essentially with one guy mm -hmm. rolling cigars you eventually get a couple pairs going and then eventually you jump to the factory and how many pairs do you think you have at the factory now I think we have 12 pairs now and that's at capacity and then but i think total employees i think we have about 70 72 and how many uh how many cigars do you think you're producing annually uh we say a million yeah it's a million it's a nice number it's por, por ahí. 
<laughs> around there. Uh, you know, it, it's um, you know, the, it's probably about 1.2, maybe a little bit more, because you know the stuff that we do for Europe, the stuff we do with Postania, Fable, and you know, but but Roma products, Guimaro. you know, Guaymaro uh, <laughs> is uh, it, it's 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 obvious the lion's share. Yeah, the for bulk, sure. The bulk. Yeah. For sure. All right. Well, you know, I love you. You know, you're you're a big mentor to me, and I appreciate you coming on the show. So, but before we uh, let you go, we have ready for the questions. We have four <coughs> questions. Well, I just felt like we just like totally just unplugged right there because there's we just kind of getting into it. Where, where well, you want to keep going? You, you want to keep going? I we don't keep know. Going. Keep going all. Well, I can keep going all day, man. I just you know I didn't want to. I know that we got an event going. Is it we what? Got, oh, okay, we got about twenty yeah. minutes before the event starts. We gotta go. We gotta get ready. Gotta go so it's all up. about. I mean, we, we dude, we can have you back. We could do. We part could two. We could talk about. We could talk about more. Yeah, we could talk about more. There's there's more to cover. I can't. I personally cannot wait. So Skip hears the podcast and then critiques the living fuck out of this interview. <laughs> What's he going to say? I mean, I'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> mm. All right. He'll say it was good, but, you know, I would have done it better. Should have asked this I question. You know, Should have asked yeah. that question. Yeah. Okay. Which is good because, you know. If Why don't you get him on the show? I would love to have him on the show. Calling you out. He's asked a few times. But I mean, you know, he was in Texas yesterday. He just got on plane went back to my I don't home. know why you didn't bring your mics and everything to do it while you were in Austin a couple weeks ago. Um, I wasn't there. My brother was. No, um, before that. How long ago were you? I, before that, yeah, I that we weren't doing. Yeah, it. we weren't doing it okay. then. Yeah. All right. You guys have really come a long way since you uh, first mic'd up. Right. I'm proud oh of you guys. Man, thanks. Man. Oh, you should have seen the original equipment. It was. It was pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. It was, was like it, a, a was there duct tape involved? If there wasn't a duct tape, then it wasn't. Probably. Okay. Poor Z and Emil. I mean, they really got the fucking shit end of that deal. Okay. They really, really did. All right. So well, the, well, I can't come back on until they come back on and we do theirs. I, yeah, they, they should. Have, we should do that. We should have a redemption. redemption. Yeah. Podcast. All right. For sure. Very good. So hit me with the four. All right, first question. All right. One person living or know. dead? <laughs> question number two. No, uh, no. Well, one person living or dead, would you like to have a cigar with? Living or dead, who would I like to have a cigar with? Yeah. I don't know. Adam turned all the questions on me today. Okay. And I, I had no answer. I hadn't even thought about it before. Yeah. It's hard. It is. Yeah. Who thinks of this shit? I don't shit? know. I'd like to burn one with Jesus. I think that'd be pretty cool. Really? Yeah. Oh, it's two Jesuses yeah. in a row. He's gonna be very oh, busy smoking cigars. Yeah, yeah, Jesus has already been done. Okay, hang on. Let me let me redo that. Scratch that. No, I'm sure he could do two. I'm sure he could. I mean, who yeah. wouldn't want to have? You know, he was a wine guy. I feel like it doesn't qualify. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The uh, that was Mike number one who said Jesus. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, he wasn't. He was. He a might cigar be one guy. of our listeners. I don't know. I don't want to. You should have a list of guys that have already are on the board, so that way nobody has to. to you know, no, I think Jesus. Jesus can Jesus stay. Jesus is a good answer. You okay. can Jesus. All right, we're sticking Jesus. That's what you went with. All right. All right. What's the best piece of advice anyone ever gave you? It's not what happens, but how you deal with it. Right. right. And I, I think that that that's uh, right. So Esteban calling us, going, "Hey, I don't have any tobacco." Right. So instead of being like, well, okay, that was a good run, yeah, you know, or, or whatever, it's gotta go, go, gotta go, we're know, done. Um, but you know, you could have cancer, you could hit, you know, you could, you know, some of the the, the worst luck. But you know, there are people who have the ability to kind of see through that and get past that, and and kind of react differently and have a positive at you know attitude, right? To to kind of power through, you know. To me, that that is one of the you know, I listen. You know, I've never had to file bankruptcy. You know, but in the real estate market, there was, you know, I made shit tons of money and I've lost lots of money. And right. Um, but at the end of the day, 
you know, I'm very blessed to be where I'm at today. Right. right. So, you know, instead of saying, oh, hey, I'm the victim and what was me? It's perspective. It's, it's all about perspective and, you know, and how you look at it. So that's, to me, that's the, the best advice anybody's ever given to me. Excellent. Excellent. Very good. Okay. What is your favorite cigar? My favorite cigar is mine. No, uh, the Adrian's. Uh, right. Costa Rican cigar to me is probably my favorite cigar. No, no shit. You I still mean, have some of those? I have a very small amount of them. It's. I mean, it's. I mean, when you create something, it's the pride and joy, right? Right. So, um, what are you gonna say about that? If if it was not your brand, my brand, um, whatever cigar that I smoked with the night that I had my first cigar with my dad would be the other one, right? Whatever, whatever that was, because that was a very impactful moment for me. For so. sure. I mean, that set you down this path mm -hmm. that was a, at one point a side hustle and has now grown into what it is today. Okay, uh, question number four. What fictitious person would you like to share a cigar with? Ooh. Fictitious person yeah, would I like? Could be from a book. Movies, TV. Book. Hmm. We've had cartoon characters. I don't know. Something that would give me some brownie points with my son. Uh, so one of the Marvel characters, I guess. Which one? Well, I don't know. Whatever. I mean, there's so many. I don't oh, know. Wolverine's a cigar guy. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not letting you off the hook. Yeah, Come on. Wolverine. That, that Bullshit. Guy you loaded yeah. that. Yeah, I God like it. damn Thank it, you. Mike. You had one job. Son of a bitch. I'm okay. sorry. Wolver hmm. Wolverine. I feel like that's, you know, you know I'm going to tell you what I said to John Carney. is like, you like Peaky Blinders? You could have gone that direction. You could have gone fucking... Tommy, you know, yeah. there's, there's, you do. He you doesn't smoke cigars though. He's, so, he's, so he's cigarettes a, he's and rum. Cigarette so guy, what? Yeah, yeah. no. The but uh, there, there could be. I mean, you watch, you fly around fucking everywhere, and I know that you watch a lot of Netflix <laughs> and all this other bullshit. So there's got to be a character. Oh, I know who it would be. There it is, Captain Jack Sparrow. There you go. Oh, there from you Pirates go. Pirates of the Caribbean. Oh, that guy would be a hoot. I mean, why not? Fuck yeah. I mean, what about the rum? You Hide know? the rum. Yeah. So that's my I guy. Excellent. Very good. All right. Uh, that's it. That's all the questions. That's it. So, right, you know. Fast. Well, thanks for having me on, guys. I had a fun uh, We appreciate time. you coming you in. had a great yeah, time. Great you had a good time on the podcast. Thank nice. you so much for coming out. Dude, like I said, you are a mentor to me, and I appreciate all the bullshit that My you pleasure. put me through. And yeah. uh, <laughs> One day, you two will, will be a better version of you. Right. So. I work on that every day. Every day. Uh, thank you to our studio audience. Oh, you yeah. Thank, thank, thank you. 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 All right, folks, that's it. Show's over. If you like what we're doing, please tell your friends about us. Leave feedback. We always like to hear if you like the show or not, or if you have any suggestions for guests that we might possibly uh, bring on at a later date. You can find us on our Facebook page at A Cigar Hustlers Podcast, or you can follow us on Instagram at Cigar Hustlers Podcast. Thanks for listening, but get the fuck back to work.